We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So as the implementation of Todd Munkin's new offense continues in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson seems to be catching on, and Wednesday's practice performance certainly backed that up. And by the way, by catching on, I really mean crushing it. Number eight received rave reviews from several beat reporters on the scene, and even his head coach weighed in on some of those numbers. So I'm Bobby Trossett alongside a special guest. We'll bring him in in just a second. He was at Ravens training camp on Wednesday and has all the inside scoop. Sarah is a little bit under the weather, so we trudge forward. Feel better, Sarah. It is Thursday, August 3rd, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault. You know, John Harbaugh gave an update on his recent conversation with running back J.K. Dobbins as this perceived contractual standoff rolls on. Plus, former Ravens strength coach Steve Saunders I'd say he triggered some within Baltimore's fan base during his first interview since being let go by the organization last offseason. We have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Apparently, he's become the featured guest of late. Kadri Ismael, former Super Bowl-winning Ravens wide receiver, WJZ-TV personality here in Baltimore, and most importantly, our friend and my golf partner rejoins the vault. So, man, you got to start docking us and billing us here because this is becoming somewhat of a weekly thing. You spent some time out at camp on Wednesday. So looking forward to kind of getting your perspective. But uh, like I said, most importantly, it's great to have you back on and I, I miss you. Hey, man, I am happy to come on. You guys do such an amazing job. And when Sarah asked me to come on the first time to kind of go over Saturday's uh, stadium practice, I was happy to do it. And then she was like, well, wait a minute, are you going out to the castle? And I was like, yeah, I will. Um, and I'll just let you know. She's like, okay, cool. If you let me know, why don't you jump on? And so obviously today it worked in my schedule to uh, pop on and or pop over to one winning drive. And she was like, come on aboard. But apparently there must be the inner office vault menu of memos going about where she says, hey, listen, I'm out. Now that you're out, I got him to cover for you. And now he's going to cover for me. So all is well in the world. That's right. And Lord knows the three of us in one, you know, screen here would go probably an hour. And while maybe some folks out there would be appreciative of that, 
that format, that new format sticks to around 30 minutes. So that's probably for the better. Sarah, again, hope you feel better. But uh, let's let's just get right to it, Q, because I, I think we got to talk about a couple wide receivers that you had a chance to kind of lay your eyes on in person for the first time uh, on Wednesday, and that's the rookie Zay Flowers and the vet and one of their free agency acquisitions and Nelson Aguilar. What were your first impressions? Fresh legs. <laughs> Fresh legs, explosive, fun, exciting, energetic. Those are terms that I would say. The fresh legs go obviously for the youngster and Zay, but also for Nelson being a veteran, you know, the way he is to, yeah, have fresh legs. Like the entire receiving core without Odell out there, he was taking, you know, a vet day and, and doing some things, I guess, you know, um, off to the, not necessarily off to the side, but they were inside uh, doing some different protocols that the, you know, the Ravens and him put together. But for, yeah, what, what, what I saw was, you know, two guys in particular, but the entire receiving core in general really looked fast, really looked sharp. And, and, and look like they were having fun. Are you seeing um, logistically in terms of the type of practice, the pace, the structure that Todd Munkin is implementing? Are you seeing key changes so far? I mean, one, one day, you don't want to make too many impressions or observations from one day, but did anything stick out to you structurally? So when I went out there Saturday, I wanted to confirm what I saw today. And even though they weren't in pads today or Saturday, obviously they had two practices where they were talking to a ton of our colleagues out there and then just seeing it from my own eyes. This is an entirely different group and look and feel. You are talking to Munkin, spreading things out. Um, you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, multiple guys getting involved, whether it be the first team, second team, or third team. And you you see a Lamar Jackson just throwing it, you know, slinging it. And I will say this is another day where they didn't necessarily push the ball past that, you know, 15-yard kind of barrier. Everything did seem like it was right out in front. You saw a lot of uh, tight end screens with Isaiah Likely. Um, you saw a lot of, uh, you know, quick game to the outside. You did see a lot of combination routes that kind of reminded me of a, a West Coast offense feel, um, rhythmical in that regards. So I think the run after catch is 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 going to be a premium rather than taking your shots down the field. And, and that doesn't mean that they won't, but that's what I saw on both these practices. And that's what was kind of talked about, if you will, throughout, you know, the, the two days of padded practices as well. Let's get to some notes from some of the beat reporters on scene. We'll kind of react to these accordingly. <laughs> uh, Chris Rim of the Baltimore Banner, Rocky Asin, who was one of, of course, the, the free agency acquisitions at cornerback. Earlier this offseason, left practice with an injury that he suffered during a one-on-one -on -one drill defending Shamar Bridges, undrafted rookie, who kind of showed out in the preseason last year. Let's see if he can do it again. Uh, it's going to be obviously be tough for him to make the team given the revamped wide receiver room. 
Uh, but the bigger story here is Rock. John Harbaugh was asked about it during his podium session. He didn't think it was serious, but again, it you know he's just being initially evaluated. One, did you see the injury? And two, you know, the state of the cornerback room after Marlon and Rock. There's a lot of uncertainty there. So I literally was on the other side of the field. So the, the way the fields are, they're two hundred yard um grass fields on the outside and then they have a third one kind of down at the far end and the defense was actually doing their warm-up on um the one field while the offense was on the other side and so uh, from a standpoint of them the defense traveled over to the offensive field to do their one-on-one and basically as i was casually going over like in my mind when you're watching the one-on-ones, you're like, yeah, okay, good. Oh, yeah. And there it is, some um, falling down and all that. Well, when I first kind of saw it, it didn't really register to me that it was Rock Yassin hurt. Mm. It was more along the lines of, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, I could, I could see, wow, okay. And, you know, off it went. But then a couple of us were talking, and that's where it was like, you didn't see him out there any longer. And Justin Armour Davis, he actually was out. Uh, in his place. So looked like it was an ankle. Didn't look like it was as severe, but those can be a little tricky um, depending on, you know, if it was quick, kind of like a quick twist. Um, and, you know, you're just hoping he gets back and, and, and ready to go. Tell you what though, I, I, I'm concerned about that position depth wise, because in, in the last couple of years, We've just seen one, the room decimated, and two, they're after Marcus and and um and Marlon. Of course, Marcus now is in Vegas. There's just some big question marks, you know, and you got guys that hopefully, I mean, heck, Chris Hewitt kind of suggested, and we covered this on the vault earlier this week. Chris Hewitt suggested that Jalen Armour Davis could be in the running for a potential starting slot opposite side Marlon. So I was some Sarah and I were both surprised by that. But I guess what I'm getting at here is that, and I know there's a whole training camp for a lot of these these questions to be answered, but it seems like there are significantly more questions than answers when it comes to what the rest of that cornerback room looks like. Is that his concern for you, or is it pass rush, or or what is it at this point? Well, you know, I, I think ultimately when you look at the defense, there's always going to be that, you know, kind of hold your breath. Hopefully everybody will kind of get out of it okay. And and I think for the blessing of what you see is that Jalen is taking advantage of an opportunity. And he did really well taking advantage of his opportunity today. Like there were a couple of times, I mean, he went up to the line of scrimmage and was in press coverage and, and Jalen stood tall. Like he, he, he did his thing. He disrupted. Um, Zay Flowers and Marlon, or no, I'm sorry, not Marlon, Zay Flowers and um, uh, Lamar Jackson, I should say. I'm thinking of the one interception that that uh, Marlon had, but it actually was a, a beautiful throw where, you know, you you could see where J- uh, Jalen came in and just the way he disrupted it, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a ball is going through Zay Flowers' hands and you're like, ooh, that was more of a pass breakup than a quote-unquote drop pass, blame it on, you know, the receiver type thing. That was good 
by by Jalen. So there were some good things that I saw out there. He jammed up a couple of guys. Um, but I, I I know from the outside looking in, you kind of start to get nervous and concerned as far as, you know, some of the depth and everything. But that's what the preseason is for. I'm going to be super interested to see uh, next, what is it, uh, the 12th is when they're going to, you know, face a Philadelphia team that I'm sure they're, you know, receivers aren't their frontline receivers aren't, you know, clearly going to be out there. But I'm I'm knowing that this is going to be a really good competitive back and forth uh, for for what we need to see. So I, I'm I'm not worried. I'm not I'm not necessarily. There's no red flags just quite yet. It, it let's get through the first preseason game, and uh, you and Sarah can have me back on. I'll make a, a better assessment after that. Fair enough. And and let's talk about Lamar a little bit because. As I mentioned at the top, you know, the, the implementation of this new offense comes with a lot of new terminology. You're working with a different coordinator, his personality. How does that mesh? Um, you know, the, the chemistry of the new wide receivers. He has gotten some work in down in South Florida with those guys like Zay and OBJ. And I think he even worked with Nelson a little bit. So, you know, th those reps are, are going to come over time, I would imagine. But, uh, you know, your early impressions on, on how Lamar is acting and performing within Todd's regimen and first we'll get to John Harbaugh on specifically what he's seen numbers wise I think he's looked very good at that and it's a good question we do measure all that you know we have we have metrics on that uh, there's chips in the ball and we look at the numbers on that and the numbers bear that out too so whatever you're seeing in terms of your eye uh, with, the, with, with the way he's throwing has been held true by the numbers he's throwing the ball really well so again that question was based on within the new system. Yeah, I know it was kind of like vaguely answered off the top there, but he likes what he sees. Do you as well? Yeah, you know, and I was actually <laughs> standing next to the reporter who asked it. And like I I outside technically outside of Lamar's first camp where you know his ball wasn't looking the cleanest, like I I guess I don't even, you know, because uh, even it was like a comparison question afterwards, like, all right, Lamar, from where he was to where he's at now, what do you see? And John was like, I mean, honestly, I didn't really think about it. Like, Lamar's just doing Lamar things. So, yes, to answer your question, he looks extremely comfortable. He is looking very decisive if we need to put a label on it. The decisiveness to me tells me he's not necessarily thinking. He's just going out there and, and playing. And that's a good thing because that tells you that he and Munkin are on the same page, that T. Martin and obviously the way he's implementing things inside the meetings, it, it, it's, it's, it's taking a hold. Lamar is feeling good about, you know, where he's at. I saw, uh, you know, the one interception that um, was off the hands of, Nelson Aguilar and and Marlon, you know, snagged it. Uh, I I don't know. Like even that was like a a, a very good ball. Um, there were a couple of you know ones where he was you know slinging it down the seam um, to his tight ends. There were some quick game ones again to his tight ends. Um, you know, Mark Andrews had you know a Mark Andrews type day. Um, but yeah, Lamar just looks comfortable. Lamar looks decisive. He looks like he's like, I'm getting the ball out. And then it's hilarious because his his 
his, you know, deft touch of the sidearm throw was like on point today as well. So, you know, different arm angles to get around defenders, all that. We we saw it and I know it's motivating me to get back out to training camp again. And so I'll probably make, you know, another appearance out there because, you know, it's some good stuff that I'm seeing from him. I love it. Yeah. Multiple beat reporters back all that up in terms of it being Wednesday, meaning what was his sharpest day, uh, and especially in 11 on 11s. Uh, Jonah Schaefer, Baltimore Banner, wrote that he missed only one throw in his first few periods, though the bulk of his passes have been quick hitters. And that's what you just kind of alluded to, the quick game. What are you seeing in terms of pace, sense of urgency, uh, things of that nature within the constraints of this new offense? Yeah, you know, you see from the moment the offense comes out on the field and it's routes on air, like you're just seeing a lot of good tempo. And from the tempo, you're seeing, you know, just – waves of guys coming in and and you see them knowing their assignments you don't really see too much or too many i should say too many bust plays you don't really see you know i i have i didn't notice today maybe some of the other guys did you know in other practices but you don't really notice a lot of like oh come on wait like you just see the energy of the coaches coaching it up but like, again, to me, that's a Todd Munkin effect of the install must be very uh, digestible and guys are out there just just doing it. Like, one wave goes in, next wave goes in, third wave goes in. You know, you repeat it and you just keep on seeing it. So I like it. I like it a lot. I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. Again, I, I said this to Sarah, I'm saying it to you. It'll be interesting to see what goes on when uh, they go up against the commanders because then that's where situational football can happen and you know you're going to see the ones uh, out there compared to preseason where you're, you're just going to have like a, a watered-down preseason game. And speaking of ones, for those of you who have been keeping up with the left guard battle that – Seemingly right now, I don't know if I want to say Sala is in the lead through one week of, of training camp, the, the rookie tackle out of Oregon. But what we learned on Wednesday from Coach Harbaugh is that John Simpson, the vet, he's going to get some first-team reps soon. So a rotation seemingly is, is going to be in the works here, Q. We've seen this in recent years up and down the offensive line. Patrick McCarry comes to mind. He's pretty much played every single position. Um, but it looks like Simpson is going to get his shot at swapping places with Salah, as Jonas wrote here. And then a couple other notes. There's no timetable for outside linebacker Tyus Bowser's return just yet. And former special teams coordinator Jerry Rosberg, famously known for discovering and finding and believing in, in Justin Tucker. He is back in Owings Mills. Remember last year he spent some time as the interim head coach for when Nathaniel Hackett ended up being let go in Denver. He's going to help out on the staff over the next week or so, which is a great thing for special teams. And as they always say, once a Raven, always a Raven, you know that cue. Uh, but uh, but yeah, bottom line is the, the rotations and obviously preseason football probably going to help decide some of these these decisions, some of these battles, specifically at left guard over the course of the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, with uh, John Simpson, it, like it was interesting because you saw where 
um, you know, John talked about that in his presser. He was saying how, you know, yeah, the first week Salah, you know, was in there. Now you're going to see, you know, another switch. But but they'll all get that rotation in there, and it'll be a solid, good, you know, rotation. Like it'll it'll give you know everybody a chance and opportunity to show what they got, <laughs> you know. And that's what you want. You know what you know what you want the stiff competition. You want the smart competition. And you want the competition, you know, to to work and work in your favor. Um, and I think that's, you know, for the coaches, a, a good thing. You 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 don't want to just give it to a guy, but at the same time, you want to put them in you know certain circumstances and situations and see how they they stand up to it all. So that'd be really good. Uh, Patrick Queen, I'm sure, is is probably a little ticked off right now. Because uh, Simpson was in there and he kind of pancaked him a little bit there. And there was a little bit of a back and forth tussle. So that was hilarious to see. Uh, I was like, yeah, man. And it's so funny, too, because, you know, the the O-line, of course, they got their boy and all that. <laughs> you can see the, D, the defense kind of like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden you see all the D linemen, they all you know run out there as well. And it was over in a few seconds, but the offensive line and, and all the other line men and people, they were all over on the sideline, just like, man, why waste our energy? We 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 got this. This is cool. So yeah. it was just funny. I mean, that was one of the uh, you know, dog days of of summer camp type things that happen. You know, guys get a little too enthusiastic and other guys get a little bit ticked off that you kind of took them to the ground. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, there's been a lot, <laughs> been a lot worse out there. Travis Kelsey's out here throwing punches. So yeah. a, little, a little squirmish uh, here. Harbs was in there trying to break it up too, which is just classic. It makes me think of that, that midfield exchange that he and Malcolm Butler had a couple of years ago, right? When the Titans <laughs> came to town and that kind of renewed rivalry was what, right? In the yeah. Oh man, he, he's, he's ready and willing you feel like to throw hands, not actually throw hands, but the guy loves to get in there. And, and that's something I love about the competitive fire that he has. More on that coming up in just a bit in terms of why Harbs got some respect from one of his former strength coaches later on in this episode. But just want to give Delshawn Phillips, one of the inside linebackers, a little bit of love before we finish up the practice notes here. Second straight practice, the guy hauls in an interception in 7v7. So um, Josh Johnson, Came off the hands of him. He was he was looking and tar targeting Shamar Bridges over the middle, uh, but Delshawn Phillips had other ideas. So good stuff there. He's putting his name in the hat, making a case, obviously for the fifty-three man roster. Okay, before we get to J.K. Dobbins' cue, which obviously probably the biggest storyline uh, in all of training camp right now when it comes to this organization and a little bit of drama that they're dealing with right now, we got to get to the rookie slip and slide because this is a Harbaugh classic. We've seen <laughs> yeah. it years. They have a lot of fun with it. And, and here's actually what it looked like courtesy of Ravens productions. You just can't wait to see this. Can you? It should be interesting. It should be a lot of fun. Down here. Let's go.
That originated with uh, George Godsey, our tight ends coach, and Scott Cohen, our personnel coach. And uh, those two guys had run that summer before, so they're in charge of that. A lot of fun. You know what? Value, too, right? you got to be able to handle and recover a wet football. So check that one off the box. We worked on that. Big solid. Go down and get it, baby. I love that last one right there, but uh, give it to me straight. Helpful or not? No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's a team bonding thing and all that. And, you know, you get the veterans. I mean, it, it kind of helps. Like, you can't really do hazing like they did when I was uh, at the Minnesota Vikings way, way back when. And they took me outside on a stool, freezing cold in the snow, put me taped up on that sucker and told nobody to go out there and get me. And Dennis, my equipment manager, snuck out there saying, don't tell anybody. Cuts me out. And then I have to like run back inside, forget my jersey and go through walkthrough. And Dennis Green is sitting there like, what the heck, rookie, why are you late? <laughs> and I just like, I can't rat anybody out because – I'll get even more in trouble. So I had to take the L. Yeah, you can't do that. So you just went down the field, let some dudes get the ball and slide and all that. It's a lot of fun, I'm sure. And uh, if it if it creates team bonding, knock yourself out. Okay, so playful, not helpful is what we're going with here, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay, good to know. And it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Salah stands 6'6", I think like – got to be 300 pounds right or, or yeah in there and the fact that he's sprawling out is is pretty great theater so anyway let's get to something that that again the aforementioned jk dobbins this is the biggest storyline in the team he remains unavailable he's on the physically unable to perform list but there are legitimate questions as to whether or not he's just holding himself back health-wise we know what his last couple of years have been like since he was played, <laughs> I shouldn't say played, they decided to play him in the preseason game against Washington a couple summers ago. And then obviously the torn ACL missed the entire 2021 season. Last year, he's got to get scoped. Doesn't have that extra burst. I mean, JK is clearly still fuming about this. Can't confirm that. Certainly feels like that. Here's JK. I should say here's Harbs on JK. And they actually had a conversation just a couple nights ago. You know, I don't know. Uh, it's a fair question. And uh, there is a point in time where, you know, it does become a concern because, you know, you, he knows. And Jay, I, JK and I talked last night. We talk a lot. He wants to be out there and he needs to be out there just like any player does. Um, and um, other than that, I, there's nothing else I can really add. I don't know when he's going to come back, but I know I'm going to be really happy when he does. Well, you miss JK. You know, I mean, he's the player. You know, you want him out there. He's a great player. And. Uh, it's just it's one less great player we have out there. All right, so at what point does your concern level start to rise? Well, let me just say real quick, the guy who asked the question, like I've never seen him before, so I don't know if he's like part of Baltimore media or is he like a, a national media guy and, 
You know, he just asks, you know, kind of like the the quote unquote hard questions to Harbaugh. Uh, but with that said, you know, like I I get the sense that JK just doesn't have any leverage. At the same time, you know, this idea of give me more money now because I'm the third guy, but yet I'm your first string guy. Yes. And I don't know if for third monetarily speaking, first stringer. Yes, please. Correct. So with that said, like if I am Eric, like it sets a precedent. And so that's where it kind of can get a little tricky because then, you know, it does Patrick Queen get salty and be like, well, wait a minute, you know what? Give me a little love and give me a little something, something too. Cause yeah. you know, I produced, even though you're not going to extend me yet, but it's it's a weird kind of dynamic and precedent that JK is asking for, but at the same time, like just I mean, he doesn't have leverage per se. So I don't know what ultimately the end game would be for him. Uh and then it's interesting how John has to, you know, play just right down the middle and not necessarily lean you know, pro team because he needs his his guy to to be out there and feel like, you know, when he is coaching him, you know, JK is is legit like in into what John is selling. I think we all know that Harves doesn't have the best poker face ever, especially when talking injuries during the season. And you wonder if this situation starts to kind of mirror last summers and into the season with Ronnie Stanley. If J.K. continues to hold himself back, which it certainly seems like he is, right? Melvin Gordon essentially confirmed that as being such earlier this week uh, with reporters. So I I get the sense that, and and Sarah certainly thinks that he's just protecting himself. Um, For the record, I am concerned We all know where the running back market is right now. We know there's been collaborations among running backs league-wide. There's been a Zoom call. There's unhappiness. There's frustration. But to your point, I think it starts and ends here. J.K. doesn't have any ground to stand on, unfortunately, other than doing exactly what Patrick is doing right now. He's entering the final year of his deal. His fifth-year option was declined. He's putting his head down, chin up. Let's let it rip. And I either am going to make myself a ton of money outside of Baltimore or somehow, some way, the Ravens make it happen and extend me this next offseason. J.K. can play for that. He can play for his future. But him staying sidelined, it's not going to help anybody. And it's certainly not going to help himself. And it's not going to help this team either. It's going to help Melvin Gordon, Q, because he's going to make his spot on the 53-man roster. But, but that's about it. Would you agree? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and the tough part is, though, you know, running backs, you know, leverage-wise, if you get hurt, like you lose all your leverage. If you play well, you're still kind of losing your leverage. You know, JK, technically, like if, if I am still balling out training, like part of the reason why you guys have devalued the running back position and part of the reason why y'all not going to pay me is because Y'all allegedly can just get anybody and plug right on in because this is the easiest position to transition into. So I'm going to use that thinking to be like, all right, if it's so easy to go ahead into, then I don't really need training camp and I should just be able to go into training camp uh, or, or go into the regular season without having to do a strenuous training camp that can jeopardize you know, me and potentially get me injured. So that's how I kind of would reverse psychology look at it. If I'm, uh, you know, JK, like, yo, like, I need me to be all ready before, then, okay, I'll need to be ready. As long as he's ready come September 10th. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly right. That, that's, that's, that's all I need. That's, that's what y'all looking for me, and I'm going to provide. When it's time, I'll be ready. All right, Steve Saunders, we'll stick a pin in it there. Steve Saunders is coming up in just a couple of minutes after the following notes, housekeeping-wise. Uh, Ronnie Stanley said that he thinks the offensive line can be as good as it was in 2019. We all remember what that led to. Uh, Joe D'Alessandris, offensive line coach, said that six-round rookie, Big Sala, has been a pleasant surprise. Quote, has been a pleasant surprise. So again, he's getting um, first-team reps. He's running with the ones, and it sure looks like John Simpson, like we said earlier on in the episode, is going to get his shot as well. That'll be a position battle to watch come preseason football. Uh, in terms of attendance, Harbs just kept some veterans out. You mentioned OBJ at the top. There's That was planned. That was part of the schedule. Kevin Zeitler, Michael Pierce as well. No no, no issue there. Um, in addition to the, the normal PUP and NFA, NFI guys, there was no David Ajabo or Geno Stone. Remember, Ajabo kind of walked off. Uh, earlier this week, Geno Stone's dealing with an ankle. It's going to sideline him one to two weeks. Again, both those guys got banged up in practice. I don't believe any either one of them are anything serious. We told you about Rock Yassin. We'll, we'll follow that in the coming days. And then with Rock going down, at least for the time being, you got to mention what Marcus Peters is doing out west with Vegas. He came up with his first interception uh, for, the, for, for the Raiders during seven-on-seven seven drills, jumping a short pass thrown 
by Jimmy G. So you hate to see it, but we are going to end up comparing those two if Rock, for whatever reason, doesn't end up working out because I believe he signed for, um, gosh, well, or Marcus ended up signing with Vegas for, I think, 1.5 more than what Rock got here in Baltimore. So anyway, food for thought there. And then again, there's no update yet on Tyus Bowser. He remains on the NFI with a knee. On to Steve Saunders, and this could get long-winded, so I'm going to have to be careful with this one because we are up against the clock, Q. And I know you want to run with this one because this had everybody triggered today, as it should have. He didn't exactly, to me, he came across as a little tone deaf. This is former Ravens strength and conditioning coach Steve Saunders, who was at the helm for a lot of bad. Uh, He was at the epicenter of a COVID suspension uh, when he broke protocol. And what led to, at the time, was the biggest outbreak that the country had seen in the, in the United States. It went through the entire organization and caused them, we all remember, we don't need to revisit it, but that was there. Obviously, the injury-riddled 2021 season. Derek Wolf, former Raven, claiming that Steve was the sole reason why he had to retire early, and obviously plenty more. We haven't even mentioned the F minus, the player led survey that was during a combine. It kind of Rashad Bateman came out and blew up on Twitter, went after EDC. Just an insane kind of uh, stretch and an unfortunate end to somebody who, you know, John Harbaugh may have held on too long to. Steve Saunders, here he is uh, talking about John Harbaugh on the Ross Tucker podcast this week. Coach Harbaugh was so good. He's a visionary. I mean, he would question me, and as long as I had a why, and my why, I would answer like any client, pro athlete, whoever it was, he was good with it. And the best thing about Coach Harbaugh was I tortured him six days a week. I mean, I, I trained him. He trained like the players. There's no doubt in my mind, pound for pound, he's the strongest head coach in the NFL. Coach Harbaugh works. He is a dog. He is committed. We're in there 5.30 every morning. He's strong chin-ups, split squats, you name it. That guy knows, and it was that's how it was great for me to get that buy-in from him. If a player would complain or say sore or whatever, you know, in the offseason, Coach Harbaugh would be like, well, so am I. You know, I, I'm doing the same type of stuff. And he really was. It, it was a blessing to have him with me and to really do that. Because if he was a head coach that didn't work out, and I won't name names certainly on that one, but – it would have been hard to accomplish what I did because they just wouldn't have had the understanding that Coach Harbaugh did. All right, before I bring you in, Q, uh, Kyle Barber kind of transcribed another answer as well. Uh, Steve, again, was on this podcast, and, and here he is on how college strength coaches are all about increasing speed and strength while NFL strength coaches are about injury prevention. Uh, quote, injury prevention's a dicey thing. There is no injury prevention. Anything can happen at any time. A guy could be playing today in training camp that has a small ACL tear already who has no idea uh, his next movement's going to cause a full tear, his next awkward movement, and there's nothing you could do about that. But try to keep that guy stable and on the field. Unfortunately, NFL strength coaches are usually the first guy on the firing line for when things go wrong. Well, it's got to be their fault. These guys should all have x-ray vision and know what's going on inside everybody's body, and that's just not the case, end quote. I feel kind of, I feel you through the camera right now. Are you stewing? What's your reaction to this interview? 
Yeah, I think that's why there's F minus. Um, I think that's why, you know, John Harbaugh's knee got all jacked up. Anytime you train with your heels into the ground, you're inviting trouble. There is two ways for the hips and the action of your body to move. There is a lifting action and there's a forward locomotive action. And you emphasize the one over the other. You're going to either A, do really well in that sport of bodybuilding, Olympic lifting, and powerlifting, or you're going to do really well in the other forward locomotive sports like football, soccer, baseball, basketball. You're literally saying what frustrates me and why Derek Wolf and all the other guys have given him the number that they gave him because he just beat the living shit out of him. And John Harbaugh was sitting there. Well, John ain't running sprints. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, John's knee got jacked up. And why? Well, it's because of the way the protocols of Steve Saunders. So, you know, miss me with all that other, how you felt like, yeah, you know, he pound for pound is strongest. Okay, well, is he fastest can he move can he do what he needs to do you know because that's ultimately what you're asking the football player to do um strength coaches in college are yeah getting them stronger and faster but they're wearing them down too guys are coming in and and college aren't being able to fulfill their needs because of their breakdowns in their bodies as well so again i'm i can go on and on and on we're up against it i'm going to be quiet because i'm a little bit ticked off and it's sad, it's pervasive throughout. He's not the only strength coach who is very tone deaf. Yeah, as you should be. He is tone deaf. And the fact that he used the word tortured, I know he didn't mean it like that, but he, he said... No, I, he meant it. He meant it. Maybe. Because the thing is, that that's, that's that, you know, that mentality, like somehow a heavy resistant training regimen is going to make you a better, you know, player. And it's not. And, and that's not how you get, you know, that's not, yeah, resistance training is critical. Heavy resistance load is critical. Sure, we understand that. But it's not the end-all, be-all to make you a better football player. And and that's the sad thing about it. And there's, there's a lot of coaches like the Steve Saunders out there who just think that, yeah, uh, it, it, it's, 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 you know, we, we, we don't know why the ACL. We don't know why the Achilles. Yeah, we do. But you guys are too wrapped up in your own um, brain to recognize the fascial system and the fascial way the body moves. You're just used to the musculoskeletal system. and You get caught up in that and you think, yeah, compound movement is a squat, but the squat is pushing the heels into the ground where you think a deadlift where the heels are going into the ground and the feet are pointed out, which has no translation or it doesn't translate over onto the football field when it comes to to the dynamic movement and we got slow motion video to show it but again miss me with all that because they're going to try to go ahead and you know wow you with some uh science that really doesn't support sprinting action which is what you need to compete in the game of football and other games that are forward locomotion I get the sense that his philosophy is outdated, uh, perhaps even lazy or, or 
stuck in his ways. There was a one piece of, of this interview. And again, I, I'm displaying it on the screen right now for our audio only folks. The Russ talker, the Russ, excuse me, the Ross Tucker podcast is where you can find this entire conversation. And uh, there was one specific thing that he talked about Q where it was so telling. He was talking to Ross about how he got into the league and Harbs had reached out to him initially years ago during a previous strength regime and asked Steve to be a part of it, but not take it over, be, be like an assistant. And Steve straight up declined the opportunity to join the Ravens because he didn't believe with the philosophical pr approach at the time of whoever was leading the strength and conditioning department then. So you get the sense, like this dude is so stuck in his ways that he wouldn't even take an opportunity to get to the National Football League and perhaps work his way to the top. Now, to his credit, I guess, years later, when I think it was after the 2015 season, which was injury marred, he reached out to, to John and ended up f finding a way to get in there and taking over the department. But that told me right there that this dude is completely resistant to change and he only believes his philosophy. And, and if that's the case, then you can kind of see why things played out the way they did. I trained with him before he was a head trainer or head strength and conditioning coach and all that. And like literally got me jacked. I mean, I was big. And I was like, all right, well, when are we going to run? When are we going to sprint? And this is before I knew what I know now. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you'll get there. Well, I had a tryout for the Carolina Panthers. And this was before I decided to go ahead and shut it down, call it a career. Um, my God, man. Like, I, I was as jacked as Jack can be. And, and I'm telling you, like, I couldn't move. I didn't move well. Yeah. Uh, there are so many guys – when you get an F minus, I mean, this is not sitting there like you think you're the man and, oh, those guys don't know what they're talking about. I mean, you're a, you're a high-level mover and you know what your body needs to do to get yourself ready. And to discredit that uh, to the player is is it's it's a slap in the face and it's your ego. And I think that's part of the reason why um, the Ravens, again, like I said, John Harbaugh, you know, jacked up his knee. So if you out there five thirty in the AM, you sure in the heck ain't helping him. He, he missed the combine a couple of years ago because of that knee. So anyway, we will we'll stick a bookmark in it for now. Um, I appreciate you you opening. This is your thing. This like this is your bread and butter, which is why I think it ended up working out well having you on today. I mean, we could you know we could have an entire episode dedicated to I'm, all of this i'm about to say i i don't want to you know again i know you know you have your timeline and all that but uh you know steve saunders uh the reason why i do you know my sports performance and human movement training um and why missile training is where it's at it's because i've been through the whole litany of it all i've i've seen um just all of it i've seen guys who do specific um, machine work. I've seen guys who've done the free weights. I've seen guys who've done the functional, quote-unquote, functional way of lifting. And again, where I'm at, my philosophy now, it's it's designed to be durable. If you look at the way the body moves, if you look at Michael Jordan, Ed Reed, heck, our own Ed Reed, if you look at the way um, 
Randy Moss, those three guys alone, and the way in which they dynamically move. If you look at Jonathan Ogden, if you look at, uh, you know, dynamic movers, there are ways in which they move and you mimic that and you push that into heavy resistance training. Now you're going to make a durable athlete. But the way you got guys moving around right now, it's criminal. Jalen Ramsey should not have had a non-contact meniscus tear down in Miami. We should be seeing him going up against, you know, guys during the regular season, the best against the best and seeing how it all turns out. Unfortunately, we don't have that. And you, again, are just your, your, your hamster on the, on the hamster wheel, just continually repeating the same thing over again, expecting a different result. Bottom line is it's something to, to follow because remember they, they promoted from within so the, the lead assistant underneath uh, Steve Saunders is now the head strength coach for the Ravens. So it's just something to watch. I've chatted with a couple Ravens in the earlier going, earlier this offseason. So far, so good. But again, you, you, you know better than anybody, this is going to be a long-term kind of uh, thing that has to be adjusted. And that's ultimately probably what led John Harbaugh to making the decision to part ways with Steve last off season before we jump i wanted to shout out and thank two of our returning patrons who are supporting the show and all of our efforts and endeavors through patreon this month so shout out kurt pfeiffer and jameson helfrick we appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in baltimore and beyond and if you're interested in doing the same you can check out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash ravens vault podcast q uh, what did I tell you before we went on, man, if we had Sarah here, we might go a little long. Well, we went long. I think it was worth it. Uh, super appreciative of your insight and, and your time. And, um, it's always good having you on the vault, my man. Appreciate you having me on as always. I'm gonna go back out there to the castle, check it out. And, uh, if you guys want to get a little nugget of information, I'll, I'll shorten my segment down there for you and Sarah can go ahead and, and, uh, break it all down and, and pontificate more with one another. Ah, what the heck? We're all guilty of, of over-talking. That's why we're doing what we're doing, right? But for uh, Q, the former Super Bowl-winning Ravens wide receiver, and my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, who is down for the count right now, but oh, not for long. You know how she goes. Not for long. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Thursday morning vault edition. We will next be back with you on Friday. And as always, thanks for joining us inside the vault. <laughs>